0: another last Sunday night we had our Thanksgiving service and we not only shared testimonies of what God had done in our lives but we asked people to share testimonies of maybe some people who God had used to be a blessing uh, during this season and so as I think back on that as I think of the topic of gratitude gratefulness thankfulness call it what you want there's a word that comes to mind that, in my opinion, goes hand in hand with being grateful, with being thankful. And today's sermon is simply entitled, Content to be Content. Content to be Content. In 2022, the year that we exist in and in our culture in, in the Western world here in America... There's an idol that our culture has placed very high, very important. Uh, It's it's pushed subtly in nearly every commercial, in every form of entertainment, um, in every song, in every podcast or speech. It's an idol that we've placed at the forefront of our culture. And I'll tell you what the idol is. The idol is more. That's the idol. The idol is we always want more. It's why houses in 2022... Are more than double, the average house is more than double the sizes, size the houses were back in the 50s and 60s. We have huge houses, yet we are seeing all over this town and all over our country, any anywhere there's open real estate, you know what's going in? Storage units. Literally for junk to sit in. And if you have one, I'm sorry, I just called you out. <laughs> We live in a society that craves more and more and more. Yeah, I have this and this is all that I truly need but I want more. This past Friday, I succumbed to the idol of more. As we were shopping Man, I love Black Friday nowadays, though. It is so much better than killing people at Best Buy, you know? Stepping over people, stepping over grandmothers to get my TV at Best Buy. Um, online, my wife loves the color green. It's in my shirt today. I see at Macy's plaid shirts. 1099 or something 1199 and I'm like look y'all know I'm a pastor pastors like that's all they have in their wardrobe is plaid shirts right like I'm a I'm a church planning pastor I wear jeans and plaid shirts um, but guess what I did I got another one Did I need it? No. Did I want it? Not really. My wife wanted me to get it. It's her fault. No. It's Eve. It's not me, Lord. No. Sorry, that was wrong, man. I just took it way, way deep real quick. I'm sorry. Does everybody feel the same way sometimes though? Like I I know deep down in my heart that I have everything that I need, but I oftentimes find myself seeking more. Now we're gonna talk about some of the complexities of this because there are certain things that I'm not advocating for from scripture today. But if you want to turn in your Bibles, we are going... Well, actually, I'll tell you what. You go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy. If you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And hold it there. I'm going to get there. Okay? The idea of contentment. If you define the word contentment from Scripture, if you look at the original language and its definition... It's a condition of life where no aid or support is needed. Sufficiency of the necessities of life. Sufficiency of the necessities of life. If you want to break it down in our common vernacular, contentment could be verbalized in many different ways, including, I'm okay with that. If this is God's will, if this is what God has, I'm good. Now, you're already probably thinking if you're a driven type A personality like myself, you're probably already confusing the word complacency, I mean contentment with the word complacency. Man, I'm good, I'm okay with that, that sounds a little passive. Passive. I'm never okay with that. That's never good. And our type A personality sometimes can get in the way. And so do not confuse contentment with complacency. God has not called us to a lack of drive or a life void of inspiration or setting goals. But in all of our goals and in all of our striving and all of our pushing for this or that, the biblical Christian should have a, a peaceful undertone of, I'm going and I'm driven and I'm going after it, but if not, God is good. I'm driven and I'm not satisfied with fill in the blank, but if not, God is good. If not, God is still good. Daniel chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. This is the story of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as you know, they were facing the fiery furnace and this is what they say before they're thrown in. Our God, verse 17 of Daniel chapter 3, our God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Man, that's, that's not complacency. Man, that's boldness. Like God can and God will. Verse 18, but if not, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods. Nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That is a perfect biblical picture, in my opinion, of a great balance between driven, yet content. Courage, yet content. Boldness. I'll face the fiery furnace. Contentment. If God chooses to take me, so be it. And let's talk this morning just a little bit more about the topic: content to be content. First Timothy chapter six, and verse six. If you don't have your Bibles this morning, it's up on the screen. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world; it is certain. We can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Wow. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Heavenly Father, speak through this text. May we discover the beauty of biblical contentment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. This morning there are three important truths that I want to pull from this text that I want that I believe will help us as we walk through biblical contentment. Number one this morning, contentment walks hand in hand with godliness. Contentment walks hand in hand with godliness. The first verse of our text, it simply says this, now godliness with contentment is great gain. If you want to look at it, it's like that's a dynamic duo. That is godliness with contentment will get you somewhere. It's great gain, Scripture says. And part of our spiritual maturation process, part of us becoming more and more Christ-like and godly in our lives includes challenges and lessons that we must learn in contentment. With With who God has for you, with where God has placed you, with the opportunities that God has afforded you. Part of your road and path to godliness includes an understanding of contentment. After Habakkuk, we, we did a three-week series in the, in the book of Habakkuk. And honestly, if I ever have in, my, in the preaching calendar a three-week break before I need to start a new series, I may go back and re-preach this one. But in our three-week uh, study in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk spends the first two chapters of that book pouring out and verbalizing all of his doubts and asking God why and questioning. And after repeatedly questioning and asking God why, Habakkuk comes to this conclusion of contentment in the third chapter of his book. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, Obviously that he would want those things. He would want fruitful trees. He would want figs. Though the labor of the olive may fail. And the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold. And there be no herd in the stalls. He is basically saying no matter if nothing goes my way. If everything goes against me. If nothing that I want comes to pass. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. Not heels, hills. Isn't that a beautiful picture of contentment? God, why is this happening to my country why, are the, why is this happening to my people? First two chapters. God, I don't understand what you're doing. Here I am trying to serve you. And God, you're nowhere to be found. Hey, God, if you're still nowhere to be found, if my sources of food and pleasure and entertainment and if all of those are dried up, if there's no fruit on the tree, if there's no fig on the fig tree, if all the things that I wanted do not come to pass, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. A beautiful picture of contentment. God, things aren't going the way I planned. However, I will rejoice. I will be content in the God of my salvation. I am content with God. Yes, contentment walks hand in hand with godliness. If you, this morning, as a follower of Jesus, want to take steps in your godly walk and your and your ability to draw closer to God, it will include it will include a foundation of contentment, a foundation of contentment. It walks hand in hand with godliness, but that's just the first truth from today's text. The second truth this morning: contentment. Exists only with an eternal perspective. Contentment exists only with eternal perspective. Let's continue in our text today. First Timothy chapter 6. Look at the very next verse. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. As the old preacher would say. You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearst. Right, And there probably have been now, people have probably done that because they've probably heard that illustration. So I'm sure you can go online and find a picture of a U-Haul behind a hearse. But you know, as simple as this verse is, we brought nothing into this world, it is certain we can carry nothing out. I don't know that we believe it. If this verse be true, then why are we not more content? If this verse be true, why are we not being eternally minded? And not just temporal or temporary minded. If we live this morning as followers of Jesus in light of not this world and not this citizenship, but the world to come and our citizenship eternally, we can step into the beauty of contentment. Here's what it looks like. Got a new job with a new pay raise. I brought nothing into this world and I will carry nothing out. Still got my old job and got my hours cut. I brought nothing into this world and I will carry nothing out. I got the new house with all the new shiny things. Well I brought nothing into this world and I will carry nothing out. I've got the old house with the scratches and dents and all the problems. I brought nothing into this world and I will carry nothing out. You see there's nothing wrong with the new shiny and bright. There's nothing wrong with the good things It's when we cannot put it in perspective of I I brought nothing into this world and therefore I will carry nothing out. If we live for things, temporary things, that is what we live for without the perspective of I brought nothing into this world and I will carry nothing out. We are not living a life of a follower of Christ at the end of the day. When our minds will be wrapped up. In the eternal, then we will find our sufficiency, what fills us up, what makes us content in the things that are not of this world. We'll find our contentment in the eternal. And what does it look like? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 is what it looks like. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Hey, your paycheck isn't sufficient. Anybody say amen to that? My paycheck isn't sufficient. God's grace is. Hey, you know what? Your relationship circumstances right now may not be fully sufficient. But God's grace is sufficient. Your living conditions and the People that surround that may not be perfect right now. It may not be sufficient for you. You know what it is? God's grace is sufficient. And when we can live in light of the grace of God, we can begin to lay the foundation of contentment. My sufficiency is not wrapped up on the things of this world that can flee in an instant. My sufficiency is wrapped up in the grace of God and his mercies that are new every morning. His grace in my life is sufficient, it satisfies me, and it brings me contentment. I'm content in the grace of God. So when my job fails me, I'm content. When my relationships struggle, I'm content. When things don't go the way I want them to go, I'm content. I'm content. Contentment walks hand in hand with godliness, number one. Contentment exists only with an eternal perspective. Number two, and here, y'all ready for this? Number three, contentment rejects the worship of money. Contentment rejects the worship of money. Now, you say, Josh, this, this kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said. It does. That's, that's, that's what happens when you p- preach through the text of Scripture. Hopefully it builds upon, one point builds upon the next one. Look at verse 8 as we just continue in our text. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Wow. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith, wow, in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You see, if we are going to be content, we cannot worship the God of money. And I say it that way because that is truly what it is. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I read the majority of my text when I preach from the New King James. But the phrase without covetousness that you see, it has financial implications. Okay, in fact, the NLT, which is a, a, a version that I love to like read readability from, listen to how it says it. The same verse in Hebrews 13, 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't love money. How about when the Apostle Paul was bragging on the church located in the town of Philippi in the book of Philippians. He was bragging on the church for their support of him financially. He was traveling and he was planting churches. He was pouring his life into churches all over that known world at the time and he He is bragging and confirming their financial support of him. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. I rejoiced greatly, I'm sorry, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at your last care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. You weren't always able to financially invest, but you did. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content." I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The Apostle Paul says, thank you for taking care of me. But by the way, even if you didn't, I'm okay. I know what it's like to thrive I know what it's like for everything to work out good in my life. And I also know what it's like to be a base. I also know what it's like for nothing to work out. And I'm okay. I'm okay in either scenario. The antidote this morning to the love of money is contentment. The antidote this morning to the love of money is contentment. If you find yourself, and it's very easy to get there, in love with money, having to have it, the remedy is biblical contentment. May I challenge you, and I've done this before from this pulpit, may I challenge you in this text, for the love of money is the root of evil. Can I challenge you today that sometimes... The people that love money the most have the least. We often look at that text and say, hey, all them rich folks that love money, wait a minute. Poor folks oftentimes have this big problem. You know what they think? If I just had money, everything would be better. Listen, I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care how many zeros are before that decimal point. I don't care. At the end of the day, the love of money is the root of all evil. I don't care if you had to check your account balance before you go grab lunch today or if you've not looked at your account balance in months because you know everything's wonderful. The love of money is the root of all evil. Contentment is the antidote for the love of money. Scripture also tells us in the Gospels and a couple of different spots, actually, that it is impossible. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. You're going to serve one or the other. You cannot serve them both. I say it to you this way You will never, you will not ever find true contentment in life if your identity is wrapped up in your financial successes. You will not ever find true contentment in life if your identity is wrapped up in your financial successes. Maybe I should have said if your attention is solely based on your finances, whether they be successes or failures. As followers of Jesus, we must find our contentment in our relationship with Jesus, not our relationship with the lenders and the banks and our relationship with online banking. When our contentment is wrapped up in money, what happens when we no longer have that money? What happens when our contentment is wrapped up in things and money? What happens when those things we spent so much money on, they just don't satisfy any longer. You ever bought a brand new car before? I bought my first brand new car a couple years ago. You know that feeling? You're like, it's perfect. I love it. It's brand new. Off the lot. I picked my color. I picked the interior. I've had that thing for a little over two years. There are so many scratches on that thing. I swear my car has like a magnet. At the grocery store. Like, like, buggies hit it. People hit it. I, Judging by one of my dents and the size, I swear like a toddler ran into the side of my SUV. Like, there's like a head spot. You know what? If I'm wrapped up in the new, the bright, and the shiny, guess what? It's going to get scratched up. Let me tell you what's happened in two years. Um, I've had to send that thing to the body shop twice in two years. Once, thanks to a deer here recently. The other time, thanks to my dear old daughter. <laughs> I'll tell you that story later. Well, she's not in here. <laughs> Avery, you want to come tell it? I'm just kidding. I don't want me to do that. Listen, folks, I'm here to bring you this word today. I am not advocating for us to live a lackluster life with no vision, no dreams, no goals. Listen, we're about to get to the new year. You know that's coming. That's That's not what we're advocating for today. Here is what I am advocating for today. Before you set your New Year's goals, before you pour everything into, I've got to have more, 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 more this, more, that, more, more. Can we establish like a foundation and like a subtle undertone of like I will be content no matter what happens. I'm okay no matter what. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May I finish this morning by challenging you that True contentment and sufficiency and satisfaction can only come through Christ. His grace is sufficient for you. And if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, anything else is a cheap, temporary counterfeit. You will always want more and you will never get there. More is like a progressive word. I have a hundred thousand. I want more. I have three hundred thousand. I want more. I have three million. I want more. I have thirty million. I want more. I want more, I want more, and then you die. And your stupid kids spend all your money. <laughs> and they pay 35 to 40% of it in taxes to Uncle Sam if you don't do it right, all right? Contentment. Listen, thankfulness, gratitude, call it what you may, I believe it walks hand in hand with contentment. I can be thankful in this season, as we head into Christmas, as we leave Thanksgiving, I can be grateful, I can be thankful because I'm content with what God has for me. If you've never experienced that, the beauty of contentment, the beauty of contentment is my soul is at rest with Jesus. The beauty of contentment is the devil can throw his arrows and his darts at me, and at the end of the day, I am at one with Christ. Listen, you can have that eternal contentment. It's found in a relationship with Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.